G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I was pretty upset and I was talking and saying, God, you know, are you really real? And do you know what it's like to feel pain? And then all of a sudden I felt these warm drops dropping on my on my head. So here I am, I'm I'm busting loose, I'm I'm crying, I'm asking God, are you really real? And here's these warm tears falling on my head. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Les Owens is an ex-prisoner and drug addict who's undergone an amazing transformation. In a life that appeared seemingly hopeless and headed down a path of destruction, God stepped in and turned things around. Les is having a chat and sharing his incredible story with Shelley Scowen. Thanks for joining us this morning, Les. Oh, it's my pleasure to be um, talking to anyone out there that I can actually um, encourage and give them a viewpoint of um, what it's like to, you know, have a, a life of oppression but a life of joy and happiness. And at mm. times you realise that a lot of people find that they've got the, the wrong end of, of life. And I feel like I just, every day is a, a new day when I wake up, whereas when I first started to encounter my problems I was only five years old and it's pretty hard to really put a perspective at times because um, I know that from the very age of five years old I was troubled and uh, this went on for quite some time so I was just yeah. Why were you troubled as a five-year-old? I think really what happened was um, I was born in Fiji Um, I had parents uh, were working over there um, in Fiji, so I was born over there. And uh, around about that age, um, I had an illness. I went to the hospital, and they phoned me up and said, there's something happened at the hospital. Um, I'm really very, very sick. Um, I wouldn't um, allow anyone to come near me. And so my mother went over there, and my mother saw that there, there was a change in me from that very day that I was very um, withdrawn. Um, I had a a lisp in my voice. I couldn't speak properly. So, you know, mothers are like that. They know what's going on really in a way. Um, They're pretty sensitive to that, yeah. So um, that was the the beginning of something. Um, And then, of course, from that, I was from the age of being born right up till the age of five, and then I went back to New Zealand so you said that you, you kind of felt that you got the wrong end of life really from the very beginning. So um, how did things progress for you from that day when you were five years old? What happened was um, that when I was um, going to school, I was consistently stealing out of the teacher's bags. I mean, this is five years old and oh. I couldn't stop. Um, and I was always doing this for attention. It seemed like I needed the attention to get friends and um, and of course I, I didn't know why I was doing this so I, I withdrew a lot more and more in my life as I grew up and um, I started getting into different t- types of things um, 
it was like I was drawn to them, you know. Um, so the friends that I kept were quite rejected too. There was a lot of friends that I used to hang around with, which were tearaways, you know, which are always in trouble with their parents and they're running away and doing the things that they, sh- they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And when you surround yourself with bad friends, then things tend to go from bad to worse. Well, that's true, and it's like power of association, and I guess um, I didn't know that as a kid, but my parents were very much onto it, but they couldn't do anything, you see, so I was always in trouble with the police. Um, I, I got expelled from school, and my parents didn't know what to do. I ended up on the streets. I ended up um, basically a couple of times there. I needed drugs, and I sold my dad's golf clubs and my mum's golf clubs, so... Um, I was doing types of things like this. I, I wouldn't actually normally, you wouldn't, a normal person wouldn't do that, but because I was so infatuated with um, stealing and as well as I had this problem with um, drugs as well, um, I felt mm. that drugs and alcohol and hanging around with these people was the only way that I could actually mask my behaviour. Wow. Okay, so it's something that's been a temptation for you right from the very beginning um, where you just felt that you needed to steal. And uh, did that continue to manifest itself throughout your life? It did. I think I was compelled more than anything, you know. It was like, wow. a, it was like you know, when you, when, you, when you go to bed at night, you know, you, you get a real bad sleep and you're having a nightmare. Um, if people have felt that, it's like, you know that something's happening to you and you're not really sure how you can keep it in control. So this went on. I got in trouble with the police a lot and I ended up um, going breaking the law and paying the price and I went to boys' home. And um, by that stage anyway, I knew that I had to look after myself because a lot of people used to um, people I used to hang around with were... You know, pretty well, much the same as me. They they were criminally minded. That's why I was in a boys' home. So, in the end, I fell out with a lot of people. I had a lot of problems. I ended up in a um, what they call a wet cell, where you have to stay there until you learn a lesson. I think I spent a week there, and um, it was cold. It was actually in Christchurch, um, freezing cold. And I really looked up at the wall, and I thought, you know. You, there can't be a God there, you know. How can a, a person go through this type of thing and think that there's a God there, you know? Mm. But, and that was the first time I've ever ever said something like that. But I did say something, you know, like if you if there is a God, you know, I, I wouldn't mind knowing who he is. And uh, from then on I went out of the boys' home and I ended up um, trying to make amends with my parents. But... Um, I think they'd had enough and of course I ended up on the streets and I had a rock and roll sort of um, lifestyle um, in and out of crime um, and I, I ended up going into prison again. Um, I ended up finding a, um, a release um, from prison when I met this nice girl and I really wanted a change and I had some children and what happened really was then as I... I chilled out for a while there, but I knew that I still had problems. I I still did crime and I did get caught and then I went on the run. I went on the run over to Australia and thought I'd make a a new life over there. And while I was over in Australia, I had another child and so I had three children. So um, I tried to settle down and, um, of course, I got um, back into the drugs again. And, of course, I 
ended up getting into more trouble, um, armed robbery, and um, I got caught. But was that mainly then to fuel your drug habit? I think it was a combination of things. Um, I think it was my own um, situation from a young age, um, my nature, um, which I believe is, is our nature. And when we're born, we are sin- we've got a sinful nature. Yeah. But I think that it was associated with um, other stuff too as well, which I had actually inherited. So I, I'm there really trying to work myself out in, in prison. Um, uh, I've got a family there that I love. Um, I've got um, the walls around me and I ended up going through some dark areas there, dark tunnels where I ended up um, you know, trying to you know, get rid of myself a couple of times there and because that's the type of environment that you're, you're living in. It's a very oppressed environment. But, mm. um, you know, there was just people that I met in prison system too. You know, there was a prison chaplain who was a Salvation Army um, I still remember him, his name was um, Caulfield, Major Caulfield, and um, he was in Pentridge Prison, and he used to shine his light, obviously, because you know, he used to come up all the time to the lads and say, you know, look, guys, there is a way you can actually change, you know, and um, so he used to speak a few words of wisdom sometimes to people, and they listened, and of course, um, I thought about that a bit um, while I was in prison, but then... You know, when you get released from prison, it's the big world again. So um, I went back into crime again um, because I was still addicted to drugs at the time. Mm. Um, Drugs are still in prison. You can still get them in prison. So and it's a story we hear so often too is the whole thing of people get released from prison but then they know no different. Uh, they start hanging out with the wrong people and like you say, you are still addicted to the drugs. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, find yourself in the same bad situation again. Well, rehabilitation is, is yourself really. You know, I mean, you're responsible for your own self and you're accountable. Um, but I think really people need to really respond by saying, well, um, there's something more there that is triggering this off, and and I think that um, rehabilitation really isn't in prison. It's it's your determination to want to change as well, and looking in the right direction. Um, yeah, is when you're addicted, you're addicted, and of course, I guess that probably I cause a lot of grief to my ex-wife because I she left me and found another person, but. And um, so my life really was based on um, self. Um, Mm. I was being very selfish. And um, I I guess that when I left the prison that time and I went back into drugs, I don't think she she really could handle anything else. And I, 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 you know, don't blame her for that. But the thing was that I went back into um, robbery and I went on the run for seven years and... Um, I, I guess that probably from that point of view, um, I started to seek um, some truth because I really didn't really know what the reality was, what, what truth was. Um, mm. So I was trying to have an encounter with reality. You're 
You're listening to The Story. Today, Shelley Scowan is chatting with Les Owens. He's an ex-prisoner and drug addict who's undergone an amazing transformation. We'll hear more of his story, including his life-changing encounter with God, when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with more of Shelley Scowan chatting with Les Owens, whose life appeared seemingly hopeless and headed down a path of destruction. Next, we'll hear more of his life journey and how he finally reached his breaking point and called out to the Lord for help. As I did actually go on my journey again, I I really realised that um, I was hurting a lot of people. And I, I got imprisoned again um, yeah. for the last imprisonment that I did get imprisoned for, and I I did I have an I had an encounter with God, and and it was like sort of you know I was feeling like God, do you really feel like any person does feel? And I was pretty upset at a lot of things that I'd done, obviously, and I didn't know I had all this guilt and burdens. But what I did is I I said, you know, God, if you really are really real, show me and. You know, I had a few tears in my, my eyes at night because I, it's the first time I ever cracked like I did in my whole life. And I I actually was on the ground prostate in a cell. Um, and I still remember the cell because the cell I was in, it actually the door opened up to a, a gangway where they used to hang people. That was where the trap opened up. So I always thought about, you know, what what's this mean? You know, death, you know, these people, they... They, they died and, you know, this whole thing about death was starting to get to me a bit and so I, I was pretty upset and I was talking and, and saying, God, you know, are you really real? And do you know what it's like to feel pain? And then all of a sudden I felt these warm drops dropping on my on my head and I thought, what's that? You know, and I looked up and there, there was nothing but these drops were, it was like warm teardrops so here I am I'm, I'm busting loose I'm, I'm crying I'm asking God you know are you really real and here's these warm tears falling on my head that made me awaken myself it made me really realise and I had this real presence like a, a, nothing I've ever felt before and from that very day I, I started to feel different Wow. And then I met a, another person in prison who was a chaplain. He was a Salvation Chaplain, Larry Edwards. And he just swung open the door one day. The prison officer opened up the door and there Larry was. And he said, um, does anyone want to have fellowship? Does anyone want to know about the Lord? I well, why not? So I went with him and we had these meetings and I started to learn about God, you know. I had a Bible, started to read the Bible and I started to realise that this Bible really meant a lot to me, you know. It meant truth. Hmm. You found that uh, truth that you were looking for, hey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, I did, you know, it was five years, but I read the Bible. I, I, um, I saw 
things from a whole different understanding. And the understanding that I, I got was that I was um, a prisoner um, in my life um, until I met Jesus Christ, who came into my cell. And uh, yeah. he shone his light on my life, and he shone my li- his life into my life. And I started to really walk and ask God, and I used to say, God, what is it that you want me to do in my life? And, you know, the Lord just kept on saying all the time, I love you, I love you, and I just wanted to surrender. And the more I realized that, that the more I became, um, you know, like a, encouraged more to to walk the walk. Mm. Um, and and I, you were free, free from a lot of things, even though you were inside prison. Well, I didn't... Um, Feel. I, I used to see these birds come up to my prison window all the time and they used to chirp and, you know, and I really realised that those birds could leave any time they wanted, but I, I could too, myself. I was free inside. Yeah. So I sort of related to them. You know, you relate to a lot of things that you have around you that you never see from, an, you know, from the right eye that you, you've seen from the beginning, you know. So I really believed that, it was the power of God um, that set me free. And I believe that what Paul said, you know, um, Paul the Apostle, you know, he didn't speak in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit of the power of faith. Um, yeah. Which, in a way, I remember when I was younger, um, my parents tried to take me to Sunday school and I ran away. Um, I, I couldn't be near anything like religion and as I've grown as a Christian and believed in God even more I had a desire to go to the lost and people outside the church not because I don't feel like I'm in the body because I feel like I am in the body of the church but I feel like this is where Jesus went out he went out into the to the lost he went out into the, the sick and the type of people that I was when I was growing up as a, as a young boy as a teenager mm. Um, as rebellious as I was, I know that you know God touched me probably in a way in the eyes of when I was actually in Christchurch and I was a renegade young boy then when my dad took me into the square in Christchurch and he wanted to shake me up a bit by giving me something to do so he took me in there and he said, you know, go down, go down to the um, cafe and get me uh, something to eat. So I went down there and I seen this man down there standing there in the square and he was on a fruit box and he was talking to this man with his big hat on he looked like a, a wizard or something and and this guy was just going for it, you know, and I really thought one day when I was, you know, in a cell after I'd become a Christian, I thought, that man there, this is the book I'm reading, Ray Comfort. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I, was I, it I actually thought, Ray Comfort there in Christchurch? Yeah. Yeah, so Ray Comfort, um, here he was preaching. I saw him. I thought, what is, what is this guy? What's this guy all about? And I, but it was a seed. I believe that God showed me that that this is a type of person who's willing to stand up and you know in the crowd and and, and say what he believes in and, and believe what he's believing in in the faith that God's given him. And I felt the same thing. I feel the same thing even now myself. You know, even after I've read the Bible and I've read the books and I've read people like Ray and other people 
I believe that that's the impact that people have um, that they're exposed to in their life, you know. But they have the power that God has given to them in a relationship to do this thing. Yeah. And, you know, God is not a respecter of person. God can allow situations to happen in your life because he loves you and he wants, you know, him, he wants you and him to draw closer to him, you know. So, And, and, and you have such an understanding of that as well. I mean, one of the things that Ray Comfort talks about is he goes through the Ten Commandments. It's, it's his favorite thing of going through the Ten Commandments, basically to make us realize that we don't measure up to God's standards and yeah. then that, you know, God sent Jesus to be our Savior, you know, we don't have to measure up. We just need to accept the perfect Jesus to be our Savior. And you would have such an amazing understanding of that. Like you say, I mean, you used to sit in prison and contemplate, you know, the fact that you had done some pretty awful things in your life. You have a great understanding of the fact that, yes, you are a sinner, no worse sinner than any of us. We all sin. We're all in the same category. But I'm sure you've had a bit of time to um, sit there and ponder uh, that whole aspect of God's grace and mercy. Yes, I think that um, we've been forgiven on the cross by Christ, what he did on the cross, the punishment he took. And, and, and we walk as, as Samaritans and we walk to the world as maybe beaten up people or lost people or hurt people. And we need to take the saving grace of God to these people because we're called to do that, all of us. You know, I've seen children bringing their, their, their father... I mean, a four-year-old child pulling their father to come to get a track from a car which was down, you know, 500 feet away down in the shopping centre because I was preaching and the boy, the young boy sitting in the car convinced his dad that he needed to, to know Jesus. And it's just amazing how God draws um, people into the realisation that it, it is only by grace and faith that we're saved, but we need to know what we've been saved from, and we need to walk out of that. We need to walk out of the world, even though we live in the world, and, and to do that is to, to know that through the commandments, because I I believe that that commandments is, is an eroding thing from the gospel. Uh, we don't we don't walk in a watered-down gospel. We walk in the, the powerful gospel. And, uh, you know, look, the most of everything is actually is, it's, it's, it's stepping out and wanting the hunger of God and the willingness to take the risks and to, to, to receive what God has got. And it's the boldness and courage that God will give you if you've got the willingness. And yeah. he will give you the grace and he will give you the empowerment because that's his nature. That's all you need is a willing heart, a willingness to, to see how God sees, and and that's what the commandment is, isn't yeah. it? It's to love the Lord God, and also to love your neighbour as you love yourself. Well, Les, thanks for taking some time to having a chat with us today. We are unfortunately out of time, but uh, thank you so much for sharing just some of your story with us. I trust it's been an encouragement to lots of people. Okay, thank you very much. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Les Owens, who, as we heard is an ex-prisoner and drug addict who's undergone an amazing transformation and is now a travelling street preacher. 
Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I never tire of hearing how God draws people to himself and radically transforms their lives, just like we heard today in Les's story. Now, if you can identify with anything that's happened to Les and would like God to radically transform your life, please give us a call. We'd love to chat with you about a new life in Christ. As the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And we'd love to pray for you on that number, 1-800-772-936. Well, thanks for joining us for Les's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.